This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. And I'm Chris Katolka. And folks, we have a great Christmas gift for you once again this week. We're giving away one of our most popular books by our first executive director, Victor Buxbazen. The book is Isaiah's Messiah, a verse-by-verse exposition of Isaiah 53, one of the most powerful prophecies about the suffering Messiah. This easy-to-read book will answer any questions you may have about Israel's Messiah, Jesus. And you can get your free copy of Isaiah's Messiah shipped to you at no cost by going to foiradio.org, or if you're in the U.S. or Canada, call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Order your free copy of Isaiah's Messiah. Once again, that's 888-343-6940. Now, Christmas is right around the corner. I know this because my children keep reminding me. So we're going to be looking at the meaning of Christmas from the Apostle Paul's letter to Philemon. And this year, Hanukkah starts on Christmas Eve. So we're going to show how a Christian can appreciate and worship Christ through the Hanukkah season. But first, let me share with you some news from Israel. Former United States President Jimmy Carter wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times insisting that America recognize a Palestinian state. He argues the commitment to peace is in danger of abrogation as long as the Palestinians remain stateless. President Carter urged President Obama to accept a Palestinian state in his remaining days in office. My friends, accepting a Palestinian state now, I believe, is a bad idea. In 2005, Israel unilaterally withdrew from the Gaza Strip for the sake of peace with the Palestinians, and today it remains controlled by Hamas, a terrorist organization. America is smart to wait for the Palestinians to show that they're mature enough to create a peaceful existence with their neighbors, Israel. Thanks, Chris. You know, Jimmy Carter, he's always been a strong proponent of a two-state solution. But here, I don't think what he's proposing really helps Israel or the Palestinians at this time. I think you're right, Steve. If you missed last week's show, or if you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, it's really simple. Visit foiradio.org. Have you ever heard a Christmas message from the book of Philemon? You know that very small letter written by Paul that's only 25 verses long? Philemon was a well-off believer in Jesus, and he more than likely owned land and had slaves working the land. And remember, slaves in the Roman era were both considered people and property. The Apostle Paul loved Philemon because of his deep faith in Christ and the love that he had for other believers. It was Philemon who would open his home up to other believers to come and to fellowship, to eat with one another, and to pray. Paul wrote to Philemon to challenge him. See, Philemon had a slave whose name was Onesimus. And Onesimus had run away from Philemon, and as he was running away from Philemon, he he ran into Paul while Paul was imprisoned. Onesimus, the slave, helped Paul and even came to trust in Jesus while he was with Paul. So, Paul decided to send Onesimus back to Philemon. And the letter to Philemon read today in the Bible was delivered to him by Onesimus. This whole letter is a letter of reconciliation. Paul says to Philemon in verses 10 through 16, listen to this. I'm appealing to you concerning my child, whose spiritual father I have become during my imprisonment, that is Onesimus 
who was formerly useless to you, but is now useful to you and me. I have sent him, who is my very heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him so that he could serve me in your place during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. However, without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your good deed would not be out of compulsion, but from your own willingness. For perhaps it was for this reason that he was separated from you for a while, so that you would have him back eternally, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dear brother. He is especially so to me, and even more so to you now, both humanly speaking and in the Lord. Paul is asking Philemon to see Onesimus as Christ sees Onesimus. See, Onesimus won't stop being a slave, but Paul is begging Philemon to think and act in an incarnational manner. Paul says, for perhaps it was for this reason that he was separated from you for a while so that you would have him back eternally, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dear brother. You know, as we're getting closer to Christmas Day, I wanted to spend some time thinking about the power of the incarnation and really what the incarnation demands that we do as Christians, even 2,000 years after the event of Christ's birth. The incarnation is the moment in human history when God became man. Do you remember that verse from the Gospel of John that perfectly summarizes the incarnation? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That passage comes from John 1.14. Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ when God became man and lived among us. Now, I don't mind all the Christmas tradition that we have these days. I I like it when Christmas music comes on. I enjoy the tradition of buying a Christmas tree with my family, putting all the lights on it, hanging the old ornaments. But since having kids, I'll be honest, it's been even more important for me to cut through the modern Christmas traditions to the heart of the meaning of Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus. So I think it's important for us to understand why the incarnation is so important to the Christian life. And in order to understand why the incarnation is so important to us, we need to know what the purpose was for God to become man. The incarnation of Jesus was the fullest act of God's grace towards his creation. In fact, right after John 1.14, which talks about the word becoming flesh, it says that Jesus' incarnation and presence among men is grace upon grace, the most exhaustive act of God's grace. Jesus came to earth to heal the broken relationship that existed between God and man. My friends, since the fall of man way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and do what they considered right in their own eyes, our relationship with God was completely severed and broken. The incarnation of Christ was more than just a manger seen in Bethlehem. It was the beginning of God's plan to reconcile all things to himself, to mend that relationship between us. God's desire isn't to remain apart from his creation or to allow the effects of the fall to ravage what God deemed as good in the beginning. He wants to restore our relationship with him. And that was the mission of Jesus through the incarnation by humbling himself and taking on the form of a man. Christ did what Adam in the Garden of Eden failed to do. He obeyed God's will for his life, even to the point of death, 
death on the cross. So it's important to see first that the incarnation of Jesus was also the mission of Jesus, that through his life and his death, he would connect people with God. The most significant part of the incarnation was the death of Jesus. Paul in the book of Colossians says this in Colossians 1, 19 through 20, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Do you hear what Paul is talking about there? Do you hear him mentioning the incarnation that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus? Now listen to the remainder of verse 20 here. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Did you hear it? It is only by the blood of Jesus that we find reconciliation with God. The blood of Christ brings healing to our broken relationship. It mends what was ripped apart in the garden. It brings peace where there was once hostility between God and man. And even Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that there is now a peace that exists between a holy God and sinners only because of the blood of Christ. This is reconciliation. Now, here's the crux verse for us this week as we're looking at the incarnation and how it should radically change the way that we think and speak and act. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Again, listen, there's no reconciliation, there's no relationship, there's no mending between us and God apart from Christ. But now listen to what God's reconciliation should do to us. Listen to this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is something incredible to think about this Christmas season. We don't deserve reconciliation with God. We sinned against God. We broke his law. We walked away from him, much like Onesimus ran from Philemon. If this were a human relationship, God was the one who was wronged. He's the innocent one. He shouldn't be the one reaching out to us. But yet in his grace and in his mercy, he made it possible to not only forgive us, but to welcome us back into his loving care. My friends, there's a vast difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You can forgive someone, but you don't have to reconcile with them. Yet God not only forgave us of our wrong against him, he completely mended the broken relationship between us. And now here's the hard part. Here's the part where God's character and his actions coupled with the spirit of God living within us work together. Listen to what this verse says. Paul says this, he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Or how about this from 2 Corinthians? He entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. I believe Paul is saying, not only do we carry the message of God's reconciliation with us, that's the good news of Jesus, but that we are supposed to be people of reconciliation because of what Christ has done for us. And this is the command Paul gave to Philemon. Be reconciled to your brother, Onesimus. Welcome him with open arms. Don't look at Onesimus as a slave. Don't look at him and how he wronged you. But instead, look at him as a dear brother in Christ and reconcile, Philemon, that broken relationship. So here's my challenge to you. 
Stop sometime this Christmas season and remember that Christmas isn't just about the birth of Jesus in a manger. It's about God mending that broken relationship that once existed between us. And then ask yourself this, are there any relationships that need mending in your life today? Christmas might just be the perfect time of year to take that step of reconciliation. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. At the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, we want you to be equipped to share the gospel wherever you are. So as a gift, we are giving to you a free copy of the book, Isaiah's Messiah. You know, one of the greatest tools for sharing the message of Jesus is to show how he fulfilled the prophecies spoken about him hundreds of years before his birth. In Victor Buxbazen's book, Isaiah's Messiah, Dr. Buxbazen masterfully answers the all-important Jewish question of who did the prophets speak? In a superb verse-by-verse exposition of Isaiah 53, Dr. Buxbazen shows how Isaiah 53, a section of the Bible never read in the synagogue, speaks unequivocally of Jesus. To order your free copy of Isaiah's Messiah, visit our website, foiradio.org, or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. As you probably know, the Christian celebration of Christmas often parallels the Jewish celebration of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the celebration of God's deliverance of the Jewish people from the oppression of Greeks who were forcing them to stop being Jewish. The Greek ruler of that day prevented Jewish people from reading Torah, keeping kosher, honoring the Sabbath, and that same Greek ruler even sacrificed a pig in the Jewish temple, rendering it completely unclean. And Hanukkah is the celebration of God's deliverance for Israel from this hate and evil and the rededication of the temple after it had been rendered unclean. Now, I want to read to you a section from one of our recent blog posts written by David Levy. David wrote about Hanukkah, and he wrote this blog to connect Christians who might think that Hanukkah is just a Jewish holiday. So, you know, what do I have to do with that? As Christians... We celebrate Christmas and Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. Well, David connects the lighting of the menorah with the life of Christ. Just just listen to what David has to say. I think it's profound. At Hanukkah, eight candles are lit commemorating the miracle of the light on the menorah that burned for eight days in the temple. At Christmas, we remember a great light that came into the world. With Simeon, a Jewish man of old, we echo out the words that he spoke at Jesus' dedication in Herod's temple. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light 
to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. To the Jewish people of this day, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He went on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Shamish servant candle used to light the other Hanukkah candles are beautifully fulfilled in Jesus. Speaking of himself, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is the true Hanukkah light. David Levy is spot on when it comes to the link that exists between Christmas and Hanukkah. First is this, the whole celebration of Hanukkah has to do with light. In fact, Hanukkah is often even called the Jewish festival of lights. The lighting of the menorah over eight days commemorates God's provision of keeping the menorah lit in the temple for eight days when there was only enough oil for the lamps for one day. This is a miracle. Christmas is the celebration, think about this, of God's ultimate provision of light. The light of Christ that came into the world when he came to dwell with us. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he said that as the menorah was being lit in the temple. The birth of Christ is God's ultimate revelation of all that he is to us, the light of his revelation. And if we follow Christ, we walk in the light. And even after the menorah goes out, the light of Christ continues to shine. David also wrote in his blog that when the Hanukkah menorah is lit, families use a special candle called the shamash candle, which means the servant candle. And it's this special candle that gives light to the rest of the candles. And without it, none of the candles could be lit. Notice Jesus' first coming, his, his first advent when he came to earth 2,000 years ago, wasn't with pomp and circumstance, but instead he came as the king of the universe in humility with a servant's heart. And think about this. We are bearers of God's light as Christians because of the servant king. Jesus gave us that light. Christmas and Hanukkah aren't just random Christian and Jewish holidays that happen to come around the same time of year. They are celebrations that coexist next to one another to bring glory to God our Father through His Son, Jesus the Messiah, and His marvelous first coming. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. I was reminded recently of the shortness of physical life. But because our souls are eternal, we all must prepare for eternity. Just this week, I visited two widows. One woman's husband was a believer, and the other woman's husband professed the Lord on his deathbed. His surviving family are unbelievers. I went to their home to comfort them and to share how they could have eternal life. When I arrived, the family's rabbi was present. 
and he read from the Psalms and many traditional Jewish books. The family then gave me the opportunity to speak. As you know, I was his friend, and I also wanted to be his brother. Someone asked, How could you be his brother since you had different fathers? I answered, We can be brothers if we receive the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts by a spirit. One replied, This man died before his time. It is written, I said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As you know, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. The Lord will give you eternal life if you come with open hearts, acknowledge your sin, and say, O Lord, receive us as your children. The rabbi asked me in which yeshiva I teach. I assured him I do not teach in a yeshiva, nor have I ever attended one. I said, in the yeshiva you will learn many stories. But if you follow God's word, you will learn facts about what God has done for you and for all those who believe on him. What do you know about the Lord? I will tell you something important that you do not know. You cannot sacrifice a chicken for sin. The rabbi asked, Is there another way? Yes, I replied. And then I read Isaiah 53 and Leviticus 17.11 for all to hear. Everyone waited for the rabbi to answer, but he was silent. Rabbi, what do you have to say? The rabbi asked me, Why are you doing this? I answered, Because I want you to be saved and live forever. He replied, But you can see our friend here. He is dead. Yes, I said, His body is dead, but his soul is alive with the Lord. Are you sure? he asked. He told me he received the Lord Jesus as his Savior. If so, I know he is now in the Lord's presence. There are many Jewish people in Israel today who believe that Jesus is Messiah. They found this hard to believe. The rabbi was very interested as I continued to explain the plan of salvation and how he could have a personal relationship with the living God through his Son, Jesus Christ. You have placed me in a hard position, the rabbi admitted. I must seriously think about what you have told us. Please join me in praying for this rabbi and the others. Each one heard the gospel. We trust the Holy Spirit will work in their lives and reveal to them the truth. Thank you for being with us. I'll remind you once more as we close, this is your last chance to get your free copy of the hardback book, Isaiah's Messiah, written by Victor Buxbazen. Contact us at foiradio.org to learn more, or call our listener line in the U.S. or Canada at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Request your free copy. 
You can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey 08099. Again, you can visit us on the web to do all these things at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. Once again, I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry is supported by the generosity of people like you. Matter of fact, our ministry could not have existed since 1938 without Christians sensing the importance of what God is doing through the Friends of Israel. Would you prayerfully consider financially partnering with our ministry? You can find a donate link on our website at foiradio.org. There you'll learn all the ways you can support us. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 